Hey guys, I'm Chantel. And I'm Chris. And this is Two Addicts. Forgotten Fridays. Hey guys, I'm Chantel. And I'm Chris. And this is Forgotten Fridays. Hey Two Addicts, and welcome back to Forgotten Fridays. I want to start by saying I apologize that we did not have a Two Addicts Tuesday episode. Me and Dee did record, but we are still having some audio and technical difficulties, so we will have to re-record. But I will make it up to you guys with the bonus episode of Forgotten Fridays later this week. Also, today, I am solo dolo. Chris is on a mini vacay, but he will be back for that bonus episode. This week, I want to tell you about an unsolved case that has went missing for 21 years. And later, I want to tell you about a string of disappearances in East Texas. This is the case of Megan Curl in the East Texas disappearances. 26-year-old Megan Curl worked at a local chicken processing plant in Lufkin, Texas. Sadly, her life had never been easy. In first grade, she was diagnosed with mild retardation and required to take special education classes. According to her mother, Sherry, other children often picked on her and made fun of her. In high school, she and her family settled in Lufkin. When she was 18, she married and moved to Arkansas. However, her husband was abusive, so they separated. She returned to Lufkin and insisted on getting her own apartment. And I can totally feel for her in this situation. When you're young, you don't always make the best choices. You think you know everything. You're young and headstrong. And sometimes we end up making choices that are truly the worst choices we could ever make. And then we have to survive those choices. But it sounds like she was in a place of wanting to get through that, move on, get her own spot, and just live her life, start to live her life again and do it the right way. On March 26, 2000, 26-year-old Megan Curl's apartment was set on fire with her in it. At around 4.30 a.m., the Lufkin Fire Department received a call about flames in a Fox Run apartment. Her apartment was actually 616. When they got there, they could not make entry into her apartment, so they had to break into that apartment. They found no cause for the fire, but did find Megan's body. Just hours prior to the fire, Megan had been at the Electric Cowboy. And yes, if you're wondering, we've heard of this place before. She was actually a regular there and had many friends. Witnesses saw her talking with an unidentified man who brought her two drinks. On this night, however, she was asked to leave because of her provocative dancing. And honestly, when I was researching, I was like, are you kidding me? Provocative dancing? Like, what is this? The 60s? Ugh. An unidentified man left and went with her a few blocks down to another club called the Sports Shack. And then another man, a friend and bouncer who worked there, drove her home from there. From everything I read, Megan liked to go out dancing, and it wasn't abnormal for her to go out to the club. She liked to have a good time. She was young. She arrived home around 1.30 a.m., and a close friend and neighbor, Tanya, waited outside to hear all about her night. During an interview with police, she said Megan was crying and saying she just wanted someone to love her. And I felt so sad reading that because, I mean, we've all, as well, us girls have all been there where we totally get that. You feel down in the dumps. And especially after a toxic relationship, an abusive one where you've been talked to badly, treated badly, and you just feel like you're lowest of lows. So hearing that she was in that state of mind is so sad. 
She claims that she and Megan were standing outside on the balcony talking when a man suddenly appeared in a speeding car coming to a dead stop. Megan said that she believed that it was a friend of hers from the club, so she went down to him. Tanya went into her apartment, and when she came back out, Megan was in the car with the man. So she went back into her apartment, and when she came back out, the car was still there, but Megan and the man were not. At around 2.20 a.m., Tanya went to Megan's apartment to check on her. When she answered the door, Tanya noticed that the man was still there. She said that he was her friend from the club and that she was okay. Tanya looked down to him and he nodded his head slowly without exchanging any words. She asked Megan if she was really okay and she said she was. So Tanya said goodnight and left. And that was the last time she was seen alive. So I feel like in this situation I feel for Tanya as well because it's like she did everything a friend was supposed to do she she made sure are you sure you're good you know even gave the guy the stare down and unfortunately there's only so much you can do I mean Megan's grown you can't sit here and tell Megan no you can't be with this man or whatever the case may be so I feel like she did the best she could but of course probably still felt horrible because it was her friend at around 4 a.m., Megan's neighbor noticed flames in her apartment. The fire department arrived and entered it. They discovered that the fire was confined to her bed. When it was extinguished, they made a shocking discovery. Megan's body was tied to her bed. It was charred beyond recognition. Her throat had been slashed to the bone, and a plastic bag had been placed over her head. She was later identified by dental records. Her murder was so gruesome that investigators wasted no time starting to search for the killer. And I mean, fuck yeah, that's gruesome. Like, I hate the fucking person that did that to her. Like, tied her to the bed and tortured her, basically. Like, how horrible can you be? And knowing that the, that this person got away with it, it just angers me. Authorities discovered remnants of a nightgown on Megan's body. When they questioned former partners, they claimed that her normal sleeping attire was shorts and a t-shirt. They claimed that she would only wear a nightgown if she was going to be romantically involved with a partner. This led them to believe that her killer was someone she knew. Authorities are certain that her killer was the man that Tanya saw her with earlier that night, but he's never been identified. So, I mean, <laughs> again... She saw him. She knows what he looks like. How has he never been identified? How has this person never been seen again? I just genuinely can't understand that. They started by questioning everyone in the area, what they knew and who they saw. A prime suspect came up immediately. Megan's ex-boyfriend, Tim Purvis, which by the way, that's a terrible name. I would not talk to him at all, who had just recently gotten out of prison. He had caused her a lot of issues in the past, and they had had a volatile relationship. Before she died, she had testified about him being abusive, which led to his parole being revoked. He was released from prison about one week prior to her murder. However, he had an alibi for that night. He later died in an accident in 2003. In 2012, a retiring Lufkin police officer stated that they believed they knew who killed Megan. However, they did not have enough evidence to charge the individual. The case remained unsolved. Sadly, Megan's father, Ernesto, passed away in 2014 at the age of 67. And that right there makes me believe that it was likely the abusive ex-boyfriend and his alibi stopped them from being able to prosecute him for it. 
I mean, I do believe it was likely the guy too, though. I mean, she was literally the last person with him. So I don't even know if I can even say I really think it was the ex because that guy was the last person with her. So I don't know, but how fucked up is that? Like, no one has went down for this crime. I just can't even believe it, really. It's baffling to me. But, you know, I guess the silver lining in this is that the investigators aren't giving up and they keep trying. They keep trying to find more and more evidence or ways to at least use the evidence they have as DNA advances, uh, DNA, excuse me, DNA technology advances. And who knows, hopefully one day we can finally get an answer for Megan's case. Authorities and Megan's family believed that she was killed by someone she knew. Her past lovers were questioned. However, they all had solid alibis and none of them are considered suspects. The prime suspect in the case is a white male with blonde hair, a light mustache, and gold-rimmed glasses. It would now be in his 40s. Police also want to speak with another man wearing a cowboy hat who Megan had met at the club. He was seen buying her several drinks before and is not considered a suspect, although they do want to question him for any clues to her murder. He also is either a white or Hispanic male with dark complexion and dark hair. With all that being said, basically that is it for Megan's case. It is unsolved. Police and her family believe the man that came to her apartment that night is the person that killed her. And that's pretty much the only theory in this case. And somehow he's went unidentified for 21 years. You guys need to let me know what you think about this case. Send it to Two Addicts Podcast on Instagram or to the email because I just have to know. I have to know if you think that it is crazy that people go get away with crimes for so long or if you just think that, hey, that's what I expect from the system because, I mean, I just don't see how this happens. And I feel like I'm just going on, but there genuinely is nothing else to really say because the this case and the couple that I'm about to tell, there's just nothing. There's nothing to go on other than this is the last time they were seen. So I will put a link to the sketches of the man in the show notes and also put it on the Two Addicts podcast Instagram page for you all to view. And of course, um, like I said, send us a DM. Let me know if you see the sketch and you know them, contact Crime Stoppers. Um, tell me what your theories are, what you think, and especially after these next few, because it's just baffling to me that so many people just go missing like this. But if you have any information on Megan's case, make sure you contact the Lufkin Police Department at 936-633-0356 or Crime Stoppers at 639-TIPS. Now there's another case or three, I should say, that I want to tell you about. I'm including them in this case because like Megan, there just isn't enough information on the disappearances to do a full episode on them. And that is the sad reality for missing persons cases. But as always, we are still going to tell their stories. This is the case of the East Texas disappearances. Over the last 15 years, dozens of people have disappeared. In a 2019 CBS 19 article, Rusk County Sheriff Jeff Price says it is like they vanished without a trace. Kim Flint, Shirley Hunt, and Jimmy Tidwell are just a couple of the people who are missing in East Texas. Many go missing with no body, no suspects, and practically no evidence. 
as they disappear from county roads and highways across the region. One of the most recent cases in Rusk County is the disappearance of Kim Flint. Police officers located her vehicle that was involved in a wreck, a one vehicle wreck on a bridge. They didn't start working it as a missing person case until hours later because wrecks along that road are DPS territory. It became a missing persons case once her family called it in. Deputies and others have searched hundreds of acres multiple times trying to find even the slightest hint of where Kim went or what happened to her. Police claim the area down there were, where she came up missing has been searched probably 20 times or more with everything from horseback to drones, helicopters to multiple sets of dogs. Track dogs, bloodhounds, cadaver dogs, just every kind of track dog that you can think of in that whole area has been covered multiple times and they still haven't came up with anything. And honestly, that just trips me out the most. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's almost like terrifying to think that you just drive to the store one day and just disappear. Like, I feel like I say this so many times, but how does this continue to happen? Like in 2021, I just don't get it. Due to not being able to discover anything in the woods surrounding the roadway, they believe she was picked up by someone. A witness believes he saw her speaking with someone in a white pickup truck. The sheriff's office is hoping the driver of that truck will come forward with more information. And of course, you know, that again, just drives me crazy. Like someone saw, but somehow no one knows anything. Another woman in Russ County disappeared off of another county road years before Kim did. In June of 2017, Shirley Hunt went for a walk and never returned. Students saw her when they were getting off the school bus, and when she went around the corner, another man saw her. And that's the last anyone ever saw of her. Shirley's husband, Bobby Hunt, explained that in the same CBS article. Everybody tracked her back to a specific spot, and then at that one spot, they would lose it. She was never seen again. So I just, again, it's the same thing. Another person went for a walk, goes missing. Like, how? How? Where are they? Who? And these people are older. So who's just picking up older people? And like this, I hate to run on any of Chris's theories, but this is the type of stuff that makes me like think like aliens. Like I hate saying that. I feel terrible saying that, but it's like, where do these people go? I mean, are we trafficking old ladies? Like, is that where we're at? I mean, I just don't, I can't fathom what happened to them. And then of course, there's always the theory of did they get hurt or lost or whatever, but it's like, how do we not find that body? I will never be convinced that bodies just disappear. Another missing is Jimmy Tidwell. On February 15, 2012, 58-year-old Jimmy Tidwell left his place of employment after working the night shift. His boss later called Jimmy to ask him if he wanted to come in to work some overtime, but his wife answered and said Jimmy was sleeping. Several days later, his employer called the Rusk County Sheriff's Office to ask them to do a welfare check on Jimmy because he had missed work. It was uncharacteristic of Jimmy to miss work without calling in. When authorities began searching for Jimmy, they located his truck several miles from his home, just outside of Mount Enterprise, Texas. Jimmy's eyeglasses were in the truck, but his cell phone, wallet, and keys disappeared along with him. In the nine years that have passed since Jimmy went missing, no trace of him has been found. 
So I don't know how to feel about that one. When I was first reading on that one, I kind of felt like, did the wife lie about him being with her? Was she involved? Um, I guess I have to hope and assume that the investigators did their due, di due diligence and investigated every angle. Because, of course, usually in these crimes, the spouse is the first person you look at. So I have to hope that that's what happened and that it came up that she was not a suspect. Um, if not, I would be interested to know what was up with that. But, yeah, I mean, what happened to Jimmy? What happened to Jimmy? He was just driving and they found his car. How far was it? Let's see. Um, located his car several miles from his home just outside of Mount Enterprise. So uh, he ran out of gas and was walking and was attacked by an animal. I just don't understand what happens to these people. But that is it for these three cases. Vanished without a trace. And these are all older folks. How a human can just vanish in this day and age is still baffling to me. And I know I've said that over and over again, but I just can't understand. I can't fathom it. And I'm not going to lie. The more I cover these cases and see how long so many of them go with no answer, the more I lose hope for my own friend, Susanna. Um, it's been over a year now since she's went missing and there are still no answers in her case. And it's the same thing, you know, she was last seen downtown Austin, caught on a camera, talking to a police officer, and then just vanishes without a trace. And there's a million what ifs, but there's not one single answer. And the more and more I see these cases where it's 10 years down the road, 12 years down the road, 21 years down the road, and there's no answers, even when it's a murder. How are we not getting justice for these people? I feel like Chris just worked up and upset rambling on, but I mean, I'm serious. Like, ugh, I just can't understand how we continue to not get justice for these people. And that's why I continue to talk about it because I want there to be some form of justice. I have to hope that the more we talk about these cases and the more we listen to these cases, the more we realize that something has to happen because these are, these were, were and are real people whose lives were taken away from them way too soon. And even if they weren't hurt by someone else, something happened to them. And to not know what that is and not give peace to their family is something I just I don't want to have to live with for my own friend or a family member. And I don't want that for anyone else. So I just can't stand to continue to tell these cases that I can't even make a full episode on because there's no information besides, oh, they walked out the door and went missing. And that is my mini rant for that. So moving on, if you have any information about the disappearance of Kim Flint, Shirley Hunt, and Jimmy Tidwell, I urge you to call the Rusk County Sheriff's Office at 903-657-3581. Now, again, I want to remind you guys that there is going to be a bonus episode at the end of this week, and it's a special one. It is not our regular, degular missing person case. I'm not going to spoil what it is, even though I really want to, but I'm excited for it. And Chris, of course, will be back 
me and D again are going to record that episode as well. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, guys. I just don't want to put out anything that isn't quality work for you. I appreciate all the love we've been getting from you guys. And so to put out anything that isn't quality would be an injustice in itself. So I will make sure to get that recorded. And if the time with D allows it, hopefully we can maybe squeeze out too. But I don't want to promise anything. So um, make sure you catch us on the bonus episode that will likely come out at the end of this weekend. And make sure you catch us on Tuesday's episode of Two Baddicks Tuesday. Catch us on Instagram at Two Baddicks Podcast. And send all of your case suggestions, opinions, comments, everything. We'd love to see it. We'd love to hear it. You can send it to twobaddickspodcast at gmail.com. But of course, if you're a regular person that doesn't use Gmail for everything, catch me in my DMs on Instagram. But as Chris says, respectfully, guys. (laughs) Anywho, I will talk to you guys later. Bye.